I probably won't go the full time today, but I did want to jump on and just um, be consistent and uh, <clears throat> say hi to all of you and let you know how much I really, really deeply, deeply appreciate you hanging out with me. Uh, it's been kind of a crazy uh, couple of years. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm referencing a couple of years, not just because 2020 things went crazy, but that's when, uh, my, I think my last YouTube video that I did before posting this last one was almost two years ago. If I'm not mistaken, could be, could be mistaken on that, but I was just thinking about my personal journey over the last couple of years and, uh, how good it's been in spite of all the difficulties and trials and all the stuff that's going on, how, um, it really has helped me, uh, really define who I am. And, um, especially in this last month or the first part of this year, this last quarter, really define, um, or refine my sense of mission and purpose. And so I want to talk about, um, your relationship with yourself this morning. I want to talk about loving yourself. I want to talk about, uh, just the self and consciousness and my understanding of it, put some ideas out there and see where we land with this and see where you guys are, are at with some of this stuff. Um, so, um, in talking about that though, one of the things that, uh, I think is really important or can be really helpful or depending on how you look at it can be a real hindrance to us in our lives as well is not understanding the power of myth. And confusing myth with fairy tales or something that's completely fictional, something that has no truth to it at all. Uh, remember I got in big trouble with, uh, some people and some preachers when I suggested that the Garden of Eden story in the Bible, Adam and Eve and, uh, Cain and Abel and even Moses and, uh, journey through the wilderness and into the promised land, that those were myths. And people then want to dismiss them like fairy tales. And when I'm using the term myth, I'm not talking about a fairy tale. I'm talking about something that has meaning. Joseph Campbell gives an academic definition for myth, and he says myth is a story or a, a symbol, something that speaks to our spiritual potential and increases it or empowers us to fulfill that spiritual potential. So in that sense, a a myth can be true. A myth can be very, very powerful, even if it's not historically accurate. And so since we've been talking about the Bibles, the Bibles, (laughs) that's what it is, really. But we've been talking about the, the Gospels and the historical Jesus the last couple of weeks and whether or not, you know, Jesus was a real person. The fact that these gospel narratives don't really match very well. And, uh, they each tell the story, the Jesus story from a different angle with a different intention to a different community. And oftentimes they're telling competing stories. And so if we're going to be honest, if, if we want to use the Bible at all, and I realize that can become divisive and I don't want to just fixate on the Bible, but I, w- I want to use this, uh, since this is my background to illustrate the power of a myth that, that, that what they're doing is they're telling a story that is speaking to them or speaking to their community and they're not hung up on whether or not it's historically accurate or true. And so one of the things that religious, that religion gave us was this idea of absolute truth. And this is where 
religion and science really do diverge in their approaches because there's nothing about science if if science is being followed, which boy have we heard a lot about that, you know, follow the science. Well, who's science? Um in the last couple of years. But uh it's almost like the science. It's almost like the new religion or something. But science never really goes beyond a theory. In other words, when something can be proven over and over again and it can be replicated, it becomes a theory. But it's held very loosely because there's the understanding that there can always be new information that can change the theory or alter alter the theory. And so science kind of begins with this idea that there is no absolute truth, that we can't that we can't know absolute truth. And religion begins with we have the absolute truth. If you think about it, most truth, most of the truth that you tell in your life is all relative. So, for example, people watching this right now, you live in different time zones. Uh, some of you live uh, in a different time of day. Or your day begins 12 hours. You go past what they call the dateline. Your day begins sooner than ours. Um, for some of you, you're an hour or two ahead. So just telling time, just telling time, just telling where you are in time and space is relative. So I could say it's, you know, 1030 in the morning. And if you're in, let's say, the U.K., for example, I think you're like eight or nine hours ahead or seven or eight hours ahead of us. So if it's 10 in the morning here, it's going or 1030, it's going to be 630 in the evening. So I can say, well, it's morning and my day is just beginning. And you can say it's evening and my day is just ending. And we can be saying that at the same exact time. <laughs> or are we saying it at the same time? Uh, it's, it's very relative. Neither one of us is lying. I'm not lying when I say it's 1030. You're not lying when you say it's 630. I'm not lying when I say it's the beginning of the day. You're not lying when you say it's the end of your day. It's all relative to where we're at. And that's true of most things. So, like, today I can say, man, my sinuses are giving me trouble. Maybe it's my allergies. Um, yesterday that wasn't the case, Right. Um, today I feel good. Maybe or today I don't feel as good. Maybe yesterday I felt great. Uh, yesterday I had a lot of energy. This morning I didn't have a lot of energy. So we're speaking from a moment. Um, uh, it, I mean, I, we live in a. Well, let me put it this way: the sub wise person once said, "You know, insanity is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result." But I heard another wise person say. The definition of insanity is expecting any kind of permanence when you live in an impermanent world or an impermanent universe. In other words, everything's always in flux. Everything's always in motion. Everything's always vibrating. Everything's always changing. Uh, 
you never step into the same river twice, right? Because everything's flowing and changing and moving. And so when you're dealing in a dynamic reality, a dynamic universe, a dynamic consciousness where everything's in flux and everything's in flow and everything's in change, then there is nothing that is concrete or that is absolute truth in the religious sense that you can really uh, stand upon, right? And those of us that have deconstructed, we know that even though we were told and taught in church, this is a sure foundation, this is a rock that cannot be shaken, yada, yada, yada. We found it out to be a very slippery slope, <laughs> something that could be shaken quite easily. Uh, just we're coming up on, we're in the Easter season or the Lent season for Christians, and we're coming up on um, the Easter story. Just take the four Gospels and compare the resurrection of Jesus and that's enough to shake your firm foundation uh, if your firm foundation is the word of God. So, yeah, Daryl says our brains are myth-making machines, and that is why we need myth to help move us toward our potential. So just to elaborate on what Daryl's saying is that we are, by nature, our brains, by nature, our consciousness, by nature, is a meaning-making consciousness that we give meaning to stuff. So this morning, I had a little bit of trouble sleeping last night. I'm waking up this morning. My head feels like it's this big. And I'm sitting here thinking about how easy it would be to not jump on here and do a live video. And I start making meanings in my mind. Um, Well, I've got this, uh, you know, I don't feel well. Um, It's not that important. Um, what's one more Sunday to miss? It's spring break. I didn't sleep good last night. I mean, those, I'm go, I'm recounting all this stuff, but listen to the meaning. Not that important. Uh, no big deal to miss. Uh, another one. I, I just posted a conversation with, uh, Brian Scott. Brian's a better person to listen to than I am anyway. See what I'm doing? But then I changed the meaning. I mean, that wasn't the meaning I was giving. Instead, the meaning I was having was, I'm finally back on Facebook Live. I appreciate so much the people that uh, were patient and put up with the fact that I was inconsistent and kind of flaky saying I was going to be on, and then I'd, I'd have trouble with my Internet. I mean, it was crazy, the stuff that was going on. Uh, sometimes the computer would be working, and I'd have trouble with the Internet. Sometimes the Internet would be working, I'd be having trouble with my computer, I'd be sick, I'd oversleep. I mean, all kinds of different things that kept me and prevented me from being able to do live videos. But even though I didn't feel good, even though all that stuff, I was like, man, I so appreciate the people, and I just want to spend this time, and I want to be of service to them and give them something for their Sunday mornings, and I don't want to disappoint. See, that's different meaning that I'm giving to the same set of circumstances. And it's the meaning, not the circumstances, that determines the propulsion forward or determines the action and the output. The meaning determines the output. So often we we react to and respond to and act upon the meaning rather than the actual circumstances themselves. Um and so just watch that in yourself. Watch how much, even unconsciously, you're constantly giving meaning. So we are meaning-making machines, and meaning itself is very slippery stuff. It's very fluid stuff, very uh, moldable and malleable stuff. It's not set in stone or set in concrete. And so I'm saying all this to say that, especially those of us that come out of religion, because we probably have a harder time with this, like. Don't get so 
lost in trying to know what is what I'm experiencing. Is it truth? Is what I'm believing that's giving my life meaning and giving my life purpose and getting me up in the morning? Is it true? Does it correspond to some external fact or reality? So, for example, believing in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for a Christian is essential to salvation. And for some Christians, if you don't believe that, then you're going to be damned to hell. Unless, of course, you haven't heard it. Um, If you haven't heard it, then it's like you get a pass, I guess. But if you have heard it, then you're accountable for it, which means that by evangelizing, we're actually sending more people to hell. It gets confusing, right? But that could be the meaning. And so is that absolute truth? I don't think it is. Uh, I think that's a pretty shaky plan of salvation, if that's God's plan of salvation. But we can look at it in different ways and say, you know, what's the meaning? What's the, the power of the myth behind this? So maybe for you it's about forgiveness. Maybe for you it's about when you, you look at Jesus dying on the cross, it's about forgiveness or it's about co-suffering love. Or maybe it's just a bunch of BS to you. Um, maybe it's bondage for you. Maybe it's limitation for you. It's not moving you forward. It's not empowering. It's not speaking to your potential. For other people, maybe it is speaking to their potential. And so the the myth that they believe, the, the meaning, the story, the power of the story, and the way it's moving you forward. And if you don't have that in your life, you're going to be very limited. You're going to... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, just be very limited, right? And so perhaps what we need to ask ourselves is not, is this absolute truth? But perhaps what we need to be asking ourselves is, what it, what effect is this story that I'm telling myself, these beliefs that I have, or these stories that I'm embracing, what effect and impact is this having on my life? Is it keeping me stuck? Is it keeping me in limitation? Is it holding me in bondage? Is it producing depression and disappointment, anxiety? Or is it empowering me? Is it moving me forward? Is it giving me a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose? Is it giving me a reason to want to get up in the morning? Is it giving me a reason to uh, do the very things that I'm doing? And so looking at the outcome of the story, looking at the outcome of the myth, looking at the way that it moves you, rather than looking at, is this absolute truth? Because when it comes to a lot of this stuff, let's be honest, when it comes to metaphysical realities, everybody's got different experiences. Everybody has different perspectives. They can't all be true. Or maybe they can. Maybe they can all be true in the sense that it's 1030 for me here. And if you're in London or wherever, it's 530 or 630 for you. Um, right. But but the question has become has to come down to this very personal question, like what's the impact and the effect that this is having on me? And so one of the things that I've been able to do in this last quarter is really reconcile my pre, my previous, <laughs> I'm going to say my previous life and people believe in reincarnation, past lives. You don't think I'm talking about that, but I mean, 
in this incarnation, my previous form that I existed in as a charismatic preacher and healer and, you know, pastor, evangelist, whatever that was. But, and there was time that what I was believing from the Bible, what I was believing about God, what I was experiencing, what I was doing was so empowering for me. It was so life-giving for me. It was so meaningful for me. And then I started to beat my head up against it, right? And here's where this approach can be more powerful for you because I start beating my head up against this, this absolute truth. Like what had meaning for me when I was 18, 19 years old didn't have meaning for me at my thirties. What had meaning for me in my thirties didn't have meaning for me in my forties until finally I'm just like, what, what used to empower me, what used to get me up in the morning, what used to give me joy, what used to give me satisfaction now is putting me in bondage. Now it is, it's a, it's a, it's a slave master. It's a task that I have to go about doing. And people would talk about this, right? They would talk about this in the spiritual journey. They would talk about the dry times or you can't just, you can't just, um, serve God when it's fun. You, you know, you, the, the Jesus is coming back for the faithful servant and you got to be faithful through these hard times. And so there's so many people that they just live under that bondage to slavery, to a belief system because what worked for them and empowered them at one time is no longer working for them and it's no longer empowering them. And so they aren't able to release that and let it go. And so therefore there's no real transformation or change that can happen. And they sink into depression and anxiety and limitation, and, uh, all, you know, anger and frustration and all that stuff. So if you understand, you don't have to be bound by anything. Like you can change your belief system or you can be presented with a belief system. You can be presented. This is where I've been struggling because being presented with alternative spirituality, alternative forms of spirituality or an alternative spiritual path. Well, now there's a lot of self-doubt, right? Because my previous spiritual path wasn't all, you know, uh, I thought it was absolute truth. I grabbed hold of it. I went for it. But then I found out, you know, it's not what I thought it was. And you go through these phases of feeling duped. You go through these phases of feeling foolish. And, and so for me, it would be really, really foolish to just, accept a new path as it's being presented to me. Um, and so as a result of that, I, I stayed in this sort of, uh, um, void. Now, when I look at it as myth, when I look at it as it doesn't really matter if this corresponds specifically to an actual reality, this is what is empowering me. This is what's bring me joy and satisfaction and liberation and sense of purpose. This is what's speaking to my spiritual potential right now and causing me to grow causing me to expand, uh, improving my life. 
But even though it's doing all those things, I can be afraid to embrace it because I am afraid maybe it's not absolute truth. Or maybe we can embrace it differently. Maybe what I embraced is absolute truth. Maybe I needed that at 18, 19, 20 years old. I needed some sense. I needed a compass in my life. I needed something to give me direction and stability. Gave me psychological stability because I didn't have to sit there and wonder about stuff. It gave me a sense of identity. Gave me a sense of purpose. But now, you know, maybe I can embrace other paths, other experiences, other ideas. Ideas that excite me, ideas that resonate with me, ideas that feel empowering and liberating. And I can act on those ideas. I can embrace those ideas, but I'm embracing them almost out of the sense of vibration and fulfillment and service rather than, oh, this is the truth. And if you don't believe like me, you don't have the truth. So, so in other words, as we grow, as we evolve, like, I think we will change paths, and I think it is okay to change paths, maybe two or three or four times in one lifetime, in one incarnation. On the other hand, maybe being faithful in one path is an empowering myth, an empowering sense of meaning for you or for other people. And Maybe they need to just do that, you know? And that's okay. Like, like what's different is like, it's okay to share your path. So I guess what I'm trying to do this morning is give us all permission to embrace something new. To give us all permission to embrace something if we're hesitant to do it. Uh, to give us permission to Embrace something is true for us without having to feel the pressure of having to convert someone else into thinking like us. To feel like we have to evangelize the world with our truth, but also to give you permission to share that truth. Like, oh, I don't want to fall into the same pattern of, you know, trying to be evangelistic or trying to get people to see things my way. Like, yeah, I get that, but that can also become a stumbling block. That can also become a limitation. That can also become something that says, hey, don't tell your story. And maybe people need to hear your story. And so it's okay to share your path in the sense that I'm sharing my path. And if it resonates with people, great. If it doesn't resonate with them, that's okay too. You know, I have to say that... (laughs) You know, there for a while, for a season on my Facebook page, if you go back, you know, I don't know, year, maybe, maybe not even that much. I would argue with people. Um, I would argue with religious people that would come with religious nonsense. And I have to be honest with you. I wasn't arguing with that person to change that person's mind. That person wasn't even my audience. Because what I learned and what I figured out was that there were a lot of people that were asking the same kind of questions, were having the same kind of struggles, and they would ask those questions in churches, or they would put forward the ideas, the same ideas that I was putting forward in 
religious circles, whether it was their family, whether it was their friends, whatever it was. And so they would get pushback. They would get blowback. They would get the same kind of stuff coming at them, and that would shut them down. So I would respond to those arguments, not trying to convince the person. I would respond to those arguments with the person who wasn't com- with with the person in mind who wasn't commenting, who was watching it take place, who was reading the comments, to empower them to say, "Look, you don't have to be intimidated by a religious bully. You don't have to be intimidated." By your pastor who may shut you down and say, you don't know what you're talking about. Just follow us. We're the pastors. We're the experts here. Like you don't have to be intimidated by that stuff. So in that sense, even though it appeared that I was arguing and trying to convince people to think like me or that I was just doing it out of anger or bitterness, I really wasn't. I was doing it with a sense of purpose to share my path with people that it resonated with. And arm them, empower them, equip them with ideas that would give them the strength to keep asking the questions. So putting forth a question and being shamed for it and just saying, oh, God, I guess I will never ask that question again. But to empower those people. So I put for the title for today, Love Thyself. Part of loving thyself, maybe a a giant part of loving thyself, is giving thyself freedom to have thy own path, (laughs) to do thy own will, and to embrace stories or belief systems, spirituality, consciousness, whatever it is for you. Without worrying, is this absolute truth? Like, let's say if you had an encounter. Let me just do it this way. You had a dream last night, and in your dream, your mother came to you. Your mother's been dead for a few years. Or somebody that's that's gone, that's passed on, came to you. Or somebody came to you and identified themselves as the Archangel Michael. Or, uh, hell, I don't know. <laughs> whatever, the God Mercury, whatever. Um, But you had this really like profound encounter in your dream. Let's stick with the loved one that's gone. You had a really, your mom brought you a message. You you, you had a sense of your mom's presence. You had a sense of your mom's comfort. You had a sense of, of guidance or something that was there. And then you wake up and you dismiss it as just a dream. Ah, it was just a dream. Or you try to say, my mom came and visited me in a dream last night and people in our culture look at you like you grew three heads. <laughs> now in other cultures where they honor the ancestors, where they are more aware and awake and attuned to the unseen world and the unseen realms, where there's an understanding of these things, where it's part of their culture. And you say, um, you say, my mom came to me in a dream last night. Of course she did. You know, you're, you're going to be reinforced for that belief system because of the culture. Now, which culture's right? The one that says, oh, it was just a dream, something from your subconscious that you made up, or the culture that says, of course you received a visitation from your 
mother? Why wouldn't you receive a visitation from your mother or your ancestors when you're going through a difficult time? The only difference is, it's just like the time zone change. The only difference is one culture is conditioned to believe that it's actually your mother. The other culture is conditioned to believe that it's just a dream and that dreams don't mean anything. But who's right? And so if it is empowering for you, if it is to, to say, my mom came to me, my mom is still with me, my mom's presence is still around me, my mom's guiding me, I have guidance, I'm not alone, I'm not facing my problems alone, I'm not dependent only solely on my own resources. Listen, it's one thing to give away all your power to an authoritarian, abusive image of God or an other that is out there. You don't have to go to the other extreme to where you're only dependent upon your own resources. You can still walk in your own power, in your own will, but at the same time have the comfort that there are others around you that you have a spiritual team of entities and beings, whatever, that works with you. And if you sit there for too long and you overanalyze this stuff and you overthink this stuff, you're going to miss the blessing in it. You're going to miss uh, because you're asking yourself, well, was that really my mom? Was that just a pizza dream? Like, like get over all that stuff. Get over that. What was the feeling? Man, I woke up feeling love. I woke up feeling comforted. I woke up feeling like I'm not alone. I woke up feeling like there, uh, that mom is still watching out for me. Mom is still with me. And that feels good and that feels right. Well, then go with that. Go with that. You know, if, if you're working with uh, an energy, a consciousness that identifies as one of the archangels and you say, oh, no, I can't. I, I gave up that religious shit, you know. I, I can't. You know, why would Michael the archangel come and talk with me or visit with me or whatever? Like, You, you get what I'm saying? But I, I feel like there are some of you that you're just stuck with, like you're having experiences. You want to believe in a transcendental reality. You want to believe in a metaphysical universe. You want to believe in benevolent beings that are with you and are watching out with you. You want to believe in a benevolent God. You want to believe uh, that you came here, that you incarnated in this incarnation for a purpose, um, something something that's bigger than yourself, and that's speaking to you, but you don't want to feel foolish, you don't want to look foolish, you don't want to fall for the same into the same pit that you fell into with religion. Just let go of the need to know that there's some absolute truth out there. Just accept the fact that in this reality, at least, we can't know. We can't know. And when you accept that you can't know, then you can go to the next step and say, 
I don't have to know. And when you get to the I don't have to know, it frees up your mind to start embracing and honoring your own journey, your own ideas, your own circumstances. See, religion, I'm sorry, your own experiences, your own mythology, so to speak. Religion taught us that we had to look outside ourselves to find truth, that we had to look, uh, we needed some authority in our life that is empowering us and teaching us and confirming us. And I think there's value in those things for sure. I think there's value in having people or voices or sources of information that you look at. But ultimately, um, you have to, I, I think there's freedom. I think there's a limitation in that. I think there's freedom in not needing that. I think there's freedom in understanding they're just, they're just some things I'm ne- we're never going to know for sure. And we just kind of surrender to the mystery of it. We surrender to the awe of it. And we, we, in, we approach life and spirituality and consciousness from an open-hearted place. From an open-hearted place where I'm open to experiences. I'm open to, uh, the divine, if it's there, I'm open to my ancestors. I'm open to archangels. I'm open to, you know, if, if you want to do that, that's fine. But don't get stuck in this, like, uh, sea of questioning and doubting. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I believe in critical thinking. But, again, shifting the frame of your critical thinking from is this absolute truth to myth that speaks to your spiritual potential. Is this serving me? Is this working for me? Is this empowering me? Is this meaning propelling me forward? So you're still doing critical thinking. You're just asking different questions. Um, And you're willing to deal with complexities. So let's see what um, kind of comments we're getting here. Uh, looks like we got a lot. Um, Daryl says, many times our stories, myths, beliefs are a mix of helpful and hindering to us. Good point. Thankfully, we can learn to parse out the good from the shitty beliefs in our heads. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ben says, uh, uh we limit what we are learning, unlearning, relearning each day, each day to a strict idea of concepts and ideology without progression. We aren't growing. We are enslaved to indoctrination. Exclusive religion promotes failure to launch syndrome. <laughs> uh, Jeanette says, learn, unlearn, relearn. I like that. Um, <laughs> ben says, Beth and the Archangel Michael are tight knit. <laughs> I like that. Um, and then Daryl responds, much to the benefit of so many. And says, in the South, we all have our moms come to us in a dream. Uh, Mariana says, my mom and dad are deceased and they've given me advice in my dreams. Yeah. Tom says, I'm the same way. Um, let's see. Jeff Turner says, uh, 
this Campbellian, <laughs> I think you're inventing a word there, Jeff, but I love it. Mythic approach is, I think, at least partially the answer to the problems that Nietzsche um, laid out in the genealogy of morals. Sorry, I'm, my eyes still watering, so things are blurring on me. That is that the opposite end of God is absolute truth, is that all is false. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good food for thought there, Jeff. Thanks. All right, guys. Um, I hope this was worth it for you. Um, let me tie this in. Let me just say this last thing. I want to tie this into loving yourself. So when I honor my experiences, I honor what's presented to me in life. I honor my, my dreams, visions, meditations, uh, intuitions. Um, intuition, if you think about tuition, uh, we think about paying tuition. Uh, the word tuition literally means to learn, but you pay tuition when you go to a college or a university. Intuition is learning that comes from the inside. Um, and, and there's a, a payment that goes with that. There's a sacrifice that goes with that because when you're listening to your intuition, your internal learning, that means you're, you're turning here and not out here. You're not learning from a teacher. You're not learning in a classroom. You're not learning from a book. You're learning from within. Intuition. And trusting that intuition is so vitally important. And this is an aspect of loving yourself, maybe even the first aspect of loving yourself. Like, I love myself enough that I'm going to feed myself on the ideas, the beliefs, the meanings, the myths that work for me, that resonate with me, that, that arouse my curiosity, my sense of wonder, my childlike my sense of liberation helps me rise above limitations. Like I said, gives me a reason to go on, gives me a reason to do what I'm doing and produces joy and satisfaction and stuff like that in my life. Um, love yourself enough to embrace that, to embrace those parts. And like Daryl said, I thought it was so good. Like, you don't have to embrace every part of belief system that's presented to you. And even if you have a guide, a spiritual guide, someone from the past, an ancestor, an archangel, a demon, if you're into the left-hand path, a alien, if you're into that stuff. Um, again, like, don't you don't surrender your power. You don't surrender your sovereignty to those, to those things in your life. You don't have to, don't, don't be enslaved to anything. Um, so trust your intuition, love yourself enough to trust your intuition. So that's kind of the point of the message this morning. So anyway, thanks for joining me and, uh, I will catch you again next week. <laughs>